Morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, the 14th of June. Lots to catch up on after a long weekend here and a couple of sessions in the US. Marcus, you've got the rundown for us. I have. We should be playing Chopin's funeral march in C minor to the back of this podcast. Ben, it's a bad day for the market. I haven't seen this bad for a while. Futures over two days. The futures combined to be down 289 this morning. And our market's been down 366, down about 320 at the moment. And Wall Street obviously had two 880 point falls on the trot, kicked off by their CPI number on Friday, which came in at higher than expected. The core number wasn't really that much higher than expected. They're expecting five percent and the core number was 6.0%. But whatever, a 40-year high driven by airfares, energy prices, and up 8.6% at the headline. And that's enough to cause the bond market to start factoring in a 75 basis point rate rise with the AFOMC meeting, which will be Thursday morning our time. And the chances of a 75 basis point rate rise have gone from 3% to I think around 33%. And there's even some chatter about a 100-point base rate rise and that the Fed won't now pause as suspected in September, but will raise rates 50 basis points consistently every meeting this year. And so by the end of the year, they should be at 3% somewhere around there. So inflation still a problem, rates to rise more aggressively than expected. And that, of course, has kicked off fears of a recession. The two-year bond yield has gone above the 10-year bond yield, which, of course, that inversion is a precursor to most recessions. They have inverted regularly without a recession, but there has been no recession without them inverting. So, of course, that's a great headline for the media to pick up on, inverted 10 and two-year bond yields. And you've seen the recession fears also impact the Aussie dollar, which has had a very sharp dive, and it's very highly correlated to the resources sector. So the bank sector, which topped out last week on the RBA's surprise 50 basis point rate rise has been one of the main supports of our market that gave way. And this morning, the resources sector is giving way with falls of sort of 6% in BHP and Rio as people start to factor in slower growth, a possible recession, lower commodity prices, a lower Aussie dollar and lower resources stocks. So that sector now topping out as well, which suggests our market is going to and has done this morning drop through any semblance of technical support from previous low and is now headed into the opposite of blue sky. What do you call that? Grey skies. Grey seas. Anyway, into the abyss, technically into the abyss with no obvious support level. Doubtless, I think it will firm up a little bit because a lot of bad news has hit us in a very short period of time and we'll relax a little bit and then take our lead from the FOMC meeting on Thursday morning. The other sentiment indicators, as I've put in the strategy piece today, are things like Bitcoin down 19.8% overnight as one of the coins paused withdrawals. That's a funny way of saying we're going bust and we've got your money. Paused withdrawals on their platform. And that, of course, scared everybody. So Bitcoin down 19.8% in a night, but down 67% from the top. So a crypto crash happening right in front of us. And that will probably do us. The only people kicking goals today are the Socceroos. The other thing I noticed also on the news this morning driving in 
was that the boat people have arrived. It seems they think Anthony Albanese is going to let them in, which is probably erroneous. I don't think any policies have changed at all. But they started to describe what life is like in Sri Lanka. And they had Sri Lankans telling you that we're prepared to risk the lives of our children because of the state of our economy. So you can see that whilst we have cruised post-pandemic, other economies have been devastated. And that, of course, and and one of the risks I wrote about in the weekend newsletter, one of the risks the Americans are seeing for their technology stocks is the reversal of globalization. If you suddenly found that Apple couldn't sell iPhones in Sri Lanka, or let alone uh, China, because of some geopolitical fallout, you can see that there is a precipitous risk of sorts with those relationships and with emerging economies, which have obviously helped these big tech companies. That'll do from me today. Uh, the Sri Lanka situation puts the 5% fall in the stock market into a little bit of Absolutely. context, doesn't it? Absolutely. You see the pictures, there are 91 people on one boat holding children in life jackets. I mean, it's just before we mention Ukraine, which is just, right. anyway, let's just count our luck today that we're sitting in Australia with a stock market down 5%. It really doesn't matter that much. Yep, that's it. Speaking of the stock market, Tom, what's happening in the Australian one today? Thank you, Ben. Yes, it is an ugly day for the ASX 200. When I took my notes, the market was down 5% or 350 points to 65.87. Every sector is in negative territory, as you probably expect. Tech and miners are the worst performers. Block SQ2 is down 17%. Fortescue FMG down 8%. Consumer staples and utilities are outperforming if it is any comfort. Atlas Arteria, the toll road operator in Europe, ALX, down only 1.6%. Computer share CPU down only 2%. And Woolworths WW down only 2%. Big four banks all off between 4.8 and 5.2%. And BHP and Rare both sliding more than 6% each. We have a NAB business survey out today if anyone is interested. And this week, it is all about central banks, FOMC decision out Thursday morning, Bank of England decision and GDP data out as well this week, Bank of Japan decision, and we have local unemployment data on Thursday. So a lot of events that could offer more volatility, Ben. Thank you, Tom. No Leighton today, so I'll cover off broker stuff in his absence. And this morning, we have Macquarie focusing in on consumer spending with the summation that winter is coming, which I believe is a reference to Game of Thrones. I'm not a Game of Thrones person, but I think they're being a little bit funny there, Macquarie. They have a bearish outlook on consumer expenditure amid the rising inflation and interest rates we're seeing. And they're also seeing or expecting a rebound in service consumption after the last couple of years, which has all been goods consumption. So they've downgraded a few consumer discretionary names, a common theme of overconsumption over the last two years in those names, coupled with the macro picture now, they see makes quite a significant short-term risk in these. So we've got Harvey Norman, HVN downgraded to neutral. Their target price has been pulled down 31%, but as of this morning before the market opened, was still 10% above the current share price, probably more like 15 now. JB Hi-Fi, JBH have been pulled down to an underperform with a price target drop 29%, similar to Harvey Norman's, brings them about in line with their current price. And Wes Farmers have also been downgraded to an underperform, rating a 9% drop in their price 
price target, also bringing them in line with the current as of this morning, again, so probably a little bit above now. The flip side of that was to Macquarie upgraded Endeavor Group, EDV, to an outperform with optimism around the scope for Endeavor to reinvest in their hotel network and gaming, which plays into that theme that they spoke about on the top line, but being the rebound in service consumption. So they've upgraded to an outperform there with the target price steady and around 8% above the current share price at $7.70. So consumers in the barrel there for Macquarie again. And Chris, what have you got for us in trading today? Thank you, Ben. As we did this morning with the portfolios and as Henry and Marcus have done with their portfolios, I'm taking some risk off the table in the trading section. Almost pointless doing a chart of the day today, certainly pointless doing a long bias chart of the day. So I'm taking a look at Ansel, which has been falling. This is the story with a lot of these sorts of companies that had the wind at their sales during the pandemic. Demand for personal protective equipment was through the roof and importantly, costs were low. What has changed, of course, is that demand for that personal protective equipment has fallen away considerably post the pandemic and costs have skyrocketed. So raw materials account for around 55% of Ansel's costs and with decreasing demand and rising prices, margins have been absolutely smashed and investors know this and they're treating the share price as such. Tom, sorry, yes. And I would like to add on to that, Chris, that there has been chatter about risk of Ansel missing their full year guidance as well. So that's another downer for the share price. Yeah, very good. So it's all reflected in the chart. As I say, no point focusing on a long side chart today. And then finally, I'll be on the call at midday with Koshi. I think we'll be talking about degrees of selling today as opposed to buying anything. So it'll be an interesting hour to say the least. Very nice work, Chris. Look forward to watching that a bit later. Henry, what are you writing about today? Thanks, Ben. Well, obviously not much fun today. Uh, Selling a few things. There's the actual uh, crash alarm going off once again, but not much fun, especially in small caps, even 35% cash and 4% in BBOZ. It's not going to help. Some things are just getting absolutely smacked. To the extent I've actually taken some profits in the BBOZ with it down around 350, which may or may not turn out to be correct, but we'll see how things go. And also chopping out some of the dogs that really don't have a lot of hope of recovery in this kind of environment. But there's certainly, you know, looking around the place, everything is connected to everything these days. And we can see it in commodities. One commodity falls and the rest go. Uh, NASDAQ goes and the, the rest of the market goes. Interest rates go higher. The Aussie 10 years hit 4% today, which is a huge level. And that shows that uh, we've got some serious pressures to come. But the one thing that has held up remarkably well is the oil price, 122 bucks US a barrel. If you believe the world is heading into Armageddon and a recession and China is going to close down again, the one thing that stands out like the proverbial is the oil price, which isn't falling. And you would imagine that that one should be falling because it's connected to everything else, but it isn't. Now, there are a number of reasons for that. Supply is still very, very tight, especially coming over the US refinery margins and refining capacity is really tight. There's also some issues in Libya as well with their supply. I think half of their supply currently is off the market. So it's remaining very tight. But you would imagine that one day we will wake up and oil will be down 10% on the back of global growth fears. So bear that in mind. Apart from that, not much else to add apart from what Marcus has been saying. It has been brutal today, but we uh, will have a look through the ashes at uh, some stage and there will be some really significantly great buying opportunities, I suspect, to come out of this. And Australia should be better placed than a lot of economies and certainly better placed than poor old refugee in a Sri Lankan boat heading for Australia or in Ukraine at the moment, that's for sure. Yes, indeed it is. Thanks, Henry. Marcus, back to you for today's strategy. Back to me. Yes, I've done most of it already. Let me just give you the summary is if I 
didn't have a newsletter. I didn't have transparency. I didn't have portfolios and funds. I would, as an individual, which is what most of our members are sitting at home, I would just shut my books and go and play golf for a month. It's one of those moments that if I had no transparency, was not open to criticism. Truth is, I'd give the stock market away for a while. These sharp moves down do not reverse on a sixpence, but that's me. That's my risk profile. For other people, for long-term investors, experienced long-term wealthy investors whose standard of living is not threatened by the stock market, probably won't flinch. This is just part of the cycle, happens every few years. I don't think it's precipitous. I think there's a sort of 20% precipitous chance, and we've really just had the precipitous bit. But I would say just be cautious from an Australian point of view. The banks topped out last week. The resources topping out today. They both held up very well, but that's sort of taken the foundation away from the Australian market. And I know there are dividends coming up on resources stocks, but at this point, you can lose the dividend in a day. So I would just think if you are in a position to sell, many people aren't, they've got capital gains tax problems. But if you're in a position to sell, I would be just putting whatever cash I could in the back pocket today looking through my individual stocks and going, oh yeah, I could probably sell that. I could probably sell that. And don't be too brave about banks. I've got an idea on the banks later. Uh, For income investors, uh, you probably won't flinch either ahead of the results season. But one idea for you guys is Westpac NAB ANZ. They're not going to pay you a dividend five months. The tide is against them. And at this point, what you might do for income is look to sell them and look to buy the CBA before it goes ex-dividend. And that will be August sometime. So you've got six, eight weeks to do that. And so out of banks, out of those three banks and looking to buy CBA might be the go. For traders, active investors amongst you would probably have simply cut and run by now, uh, let the dust settle and look for bargains later. Thrill seekers would be buying, you know, BBOS or Bear. Although I have to say, I thought about buying BBOS this morning and thought to myself, oh, I bet it'll rally into the FOMC meeting. And then it's just a gamble on the FOMC meeting in the short term. So uh, there's no guarantees there, but that's what thrill seekers would be doing. But I think overall, the point to make strategy-wise is it's going to take time for these three macro headwinds to blow themselves out. That's inflation being more entrenched than expected, interest rates rising more aggressively than expected, and recession risk rising, as I say. It'll take months to solve that conundrum. And until there are genuine improvements in those, any bounce will probably fail. So the game at the moment is cash up where you can if you can be bothered and then the big game of course will be that we are building up to one of the best buying opportunities in years and uh, are you going to be in a position to take advantage of that and uh, we'll we will obviously address that moment when it comes but I think it might be months away rather than a day away and although as always the FOMC I, I think the FOMC are going to go hard because they, they've opened up the space for them to say right we're going to go hard on rates um, and to back off at this point and try and pacify the financial markets just would be an utter mistake, probably backfire. So I think they've got to go hard. They could do 75 basis points just to get this uncertainty out of the way quicker. What I've done today is more to make the point, but I've cleared out the strategy portfolio to cash just to make the point uh, that held an ASX 200 ETF, a iShares S&P 500 ETF and a NASDAQ better shares 
ETF, which surprisingly ahead of today, we're only down 9% on. And I've also cleared out the ideas portfolio as well to make the point and sold everything there. We do hold computer share and QBE, which are both interest rate sensitive and noticeably have dropped less than the market today and should benefit out of interest rates going up. But at this point, trying to make money in stocks is not really the game, even if they do have their merits. So clearing out everything except for the IZZ ETF, which is a proxy for the Chinese market, which if you look at the chart in the strategy piece, Chinese markets rebounding from their sell-off, from their COVID sell-off at the moment. So happy to keep holding that. And that's about that from me, I think. So yeah, I'll get emails. Why are you selling at the bottom? I don't think it's the bottom. Very good. And that flows into our question of the day today, which is on the flip side, if you were forced to create one of the famous one-stock portfolios today, what stock are you putting all your money in? Mean, meaning uh, the, the, the one-stock portfolio concept was this idea that if you had to sell everything you own and buy just one stock, then what would it be? And that was the one-stock portfolio concept that you'd do so much work on that one stock, it was actually less risky than holding 20 stocks you don't know anything about. But what you're saying is... If you were forced to hold one stock right now and buy it today, what's that stock? And worth noting, if anyone has not heard of the one-stock portfolio before, go onto our website, type one-stock portfolio into the search bar. There'll be an even more detailed explanation, a few good articles there too. Chris, could you please give us your one-stock today? Yeah, I agree with Marcus that I don't think this is the bottom and have uh, had that thought for a while. So I'd be buying the most defensive stock that I could possibly think of, and that would be Coles because everyone's still got to eat. Very good. Tom? I am going to go with Macquarie and purely because <laughs> I remember Henry when the pandemic was at its the height and fear was everywhere that he said if Macquarie drops below 100 just load up on it so it's not quite at that level but Bad the theory holds <laughs> the theory still holds for me uh, they, they know how to make money in any environment 162 bucks good idea Tom I might know. be at 100 by the end of the day oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be loading up Henry I think you know you have to stick with quality and obviously Tom is sticking with quality with Macquarie my pick would be BHP I have to say it is a resource stock but it has a huge yield and getting bigger as the share price falls. And it's obviously exposed to the commodity cycle. And although the world is slowing, we're still going to need an awful lot of stuff that BHP produces. So I think BHP would be my pick here at the moment. So it's come back a ways, but I think long-term, it still offers a very attractive opportunity. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. Marcus? I heard a member who said, I, I run an income fund with 100% in the CBA. <laughs> I sort of thought, actually, that's not bad because if you really want to yield and the CBA is never really going to stuff up, is it? So that would be one. There are a couple of thoughts here. One is I would just buy the ASX 300 accumulation equivalent ETF and that is low volatility, low risk in sleep at night with it. And you're getting it now. What? How much are we down? 15% cheaper than the top. So that would be a good uh, long-term thing. Then I sort of think to myself, actually, the Australian economy is really boring. So I'd probably buy an S&P 500 ETF if I was going to play that game. And then I think to myself, well, I'm a bit of a sucker for something that's fallen a lot. So I'd probably buy the NDQ <laughs> ETF, which we just sold today in the strategy portfolio. But faith in the NASDAQ or faith in the S&P 500, one of those two, I think I'd probably, probably have to go the S&P 500, but I'd really be 
Well, be brave, man, to be buying the tech-based indexes but, today. But the, the, the world's a cycle, isn't it? And it's not different this time. It'll come back. Yeah, don't mind it. My pick, I was going to say Coles, but you Sorry. saw my thunder, Christopher. So I will go with Computer Share. As Marcus, you mentioned before, it's one of the few stocks that does better in a high interest rate environment. They get something like a 90% of the benefit of a rate rise pushed straight to their bottom line. So that would be my pick. Not rushing to buy anything today at all. And I think that's it, guys. Thanks for that. Well done. See you tomorrow. Thanks, guys.